This podcast series is sponsored by Havwitz, the prevailing name in beautiful wood flooring design. Gracing the surfaces of hotels, workspaces, private residences and more, Havwitz offers stunning wood flooring and cladding options in all conceivable colours and designs. Visit our showrooms today or contact us for more detail at havwoods.com forward slash UK. Hello and welcome to the Interior Design Business. This is the monthly podcast produced for the interior design community by the interior design community. My name is Jeff Hayward and I'm here with my co-host Susie Rumbold, Creative Director of Tasuto Interiors and a past president of the British Institute of Interior Design and we're here tonight in the wonderful showroom of Andrew Martin. Today we're asking the question, how do you build a good relationship with your suppliers? So interior designers are a bit like the piggy in the middle. They must be adept at managing client relationships while also managing their supply chains in order to finish on time and deliver the best possible projects. The sad truth though is that clients generally only communicate with the designer and are blissfully unaware of the problems and turmoil sometimes going on behind the scenes. If suppliers fail to deliver for any reason, it is often the designer who ends up by looking disorganised and unprofessional to their client and not the supplier. Understandably, this can make designers nervous. But without reliable suppliers, it's almost impossible for designers to bring their designs to life and the best suppliers can even step in to save the day when things go wrong. So, how can designers find and retain the best professional and reliable suppliers? How can they ensure they get early warnings when things are going wrong? And is it possible for a designer to build a dream supplier team that will last them forever? Welcome to the interior design business. To help us answer these important questions and more, we are joined today by Ed O'Donnell from Angel O'Donnell and BIID registered interior designer, Naomi Astley-Clark. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Before we begin, can you each give us a brief introduction to yourself and your business? I'm Naomi Astley-Clark. I'm an interior designer. We are London-based and we specialise in sort of high-end residential refurb. Yeah, hi, I'm Ed O'Donnell from Angel O'Donnell, co-founder and creative director. Uh, we are also London-based, just down the road in the Strand, and uh, I've been an interior designer for 20 years, but uh, this company that we're, we have now is five years this October. So, And also we're high-end residential, uh, mostly uh, in London, but a few projects abroad and internationally. Fantastic. So what are the main different types of suppliers? You've got... Um contractors, uh, retail suppliers, and then subcontractors who work for the contractor, ranging from uh, plumbers to bathroom suppliers to tilers to electricians. It's, it's a huge, a Massive huge, Your yeah, entire AV, address book. Yeah, yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're all very different, aren't they? Very different, yeah. What sort of things do they all kind of get involved with? Do you want to just break that down for us a yeah, bit? Yeah, I think, you know, like Naomi's saying, we've got the, the people that we buy actual things from, like Andrew Martin, for instance, or Julian Chisholm, lots of people like that, actual pieces of furniture. You have people that we work with, sort of artisans and kind of individual craftspeople that create uh, pieces of art or ceramics or 
you know, beautiful finishes on furniture. Uh, yeah, and as you say, electricians, decorators. And I, I guess, Ed, buying anything or commissioning anything, you're entering into a contract with these people. We are, yeah. I mean, I think it's like, you know, when you go and buy something in John Lewis or whatever as a, as a regular person, um, you, you, you have a, a guarantee that you can take something back if it's broken. And we enter into all sorts of different categories of it. And, you know, as you say, well, if it's a service and then how well does that person perform or, you know, the quality of the finish or, again, if it's a, a piece of furniture that you've commissioned, you know, what is the quality again? What is the finish, you know? Uh, and is it exactly what you've sort of designed or they've designed and is it as they said it would be? Am I right in thinking that sometimes you're an agent, sometimes you're a principal? So, again, different sort of relationships you might have. It does vary. With, with contractors, the contractor and the client have their contract between themselves. Sometimes, for example, with bathrooms or um, uh, sanitary wear or appliances, I will specify the contractor will order. I'm happy to order if they don't want to. Um, so in that instance, you're acting as an agent? Yes, but we'll also do the procurement ourselves. And actually, I also consider myself a supplier because I'm providing a service to the client. And so it's, um, it's a sort of chain of events. Pyramid yeah. almost. Yeah. Mm. Or a stack of dominoes, depending yeah, on exactly. one person yeah, falls yeah. down, yeah. then yeah, yeah. the whole I, I lot. Could, yes. <laughs> can go wrong. Exactly. Do designers put themselves at risk when they act as a retailer? I think we put ourselves at risk both uh, every, time, every step. Every which way, every, yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's a minefield of, of risk. I get paid upfront in full. So if somebody walks into Harrods, they want to buy a sofa, they don't say, well, I'll give you some now and I, I might come back later and in a few months I'll give you. It's the whole lot, even if I'm only paying a deposit, because I'm liable for the whole lot the minute I place an order. And then my responsibility is to deliver that order and there is a risk that it's not, even with the best suppliers in the world, that it's either going to be late or it's going to be wrong or it's going to be damaged. There's no way of not putting yourself at risk. Yeah. And it is sometimes like sort of jumping off a cliff. I suppose you just but need you to be aware. Yeah. You know, you go into it with your eyes open. Yeah. And are the risks different depending on whether the project is resi or commercial? I think the personal risk probably and the, the liability is probably the same. And actually, in my case, even if I'm not actually responsible for something, I still feel responsible yeah. for something, yeah. you know, so you're sort of part of the chain and you can't sort of wash your hands and say, well, the contract's between them and them, it's not me. It, it doesn't work like that. If you're trying to deliver something that's your, in, you know... Your baby. Yeah. yeah. I think so, it actually helps if you are principal sometimes because you can manage that mm -hmm. expectation on all sides, you know, whether you... I mean, you are the brunt of it all anyway because it's oh. client and you, isn't it? And yeah. no matter who's done anything, it stops with you. But I think if you're the agent and the client's almost left open a bit more, uh, sorry, the, yeah, the agent, uh, you're left open a bit more to the risk because then you kind of have to manage that person and or trade or whatever and, you know, but then it's our, mm. you know, we'll still get it because it'll be, well, you recommended them and, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. It's tricky. So it's important, right, to find a good supplier. What is it you're looking for? What are the characteristics that you look for? In? Um, I think, well, you know what, I always say this and it's about the client as well as the supplier is trust like massive amounts of trust. They trust, the client trusts in you to do a good job. We trust in the suppliers to do a good job. And I think you you kind of look for someone, depending on what it is, if it's a company, kind of a good track record, I think, and you can kind of go and see the quality of everything and it's all around you, like here or in whichever showroom it might be, 
But if it's, you know, like an independent, then you want to go see them or mm. maybe get like a recommendation from someone else. And lots of those people come from just being in the business for a long time or recommendations that you hear. Like it's a small world. I was going to say, I mean, the, the thing about trust is so key and you can't, that sort of is something that happens over time. So again, you're sort of diving in the first time you deal with a new supplier and hope that it will work. Um, but it is... It's based on trust. Yeah. Where do you find them? How do you start? Well, I mean, we were just talking about Instagram, things like that earlier, weren't we? And I think, you know, before that, God, was their thing before that, you'd go to trade shows or, you know, all the various different places, or you'd just walk around like Walton Street or somewhere or whatever and find people. Um, obviously, that net has kind of widened now. There's loads of people in the East End or Hackney and Widerfield. But, you know, things like Instagram or any sort of social channel people are posting little individual crafts or pieces of furniture that they might have made. I mean, I don't know about you, but like also kind of like graduate shows and yeah. things like that are really useful for finding kind of new and, you know, interesting new people. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, generally just looking for supplies, just kind of, you know, boots on the ground type thing, but right. also from your network. team as well, right? Like you kind of, they don't see things you don't or... And Ed, you talked about your business being five years old. Mm. So how easy was it? <laughs> when you started out with that new business to build a relationship with the suppliers you wanted? Yeah, that, it's, that was an interesting one. I think, you know, I've been doing it a long time, but, you know, you're only as good as your last show, as it were. But so, we, you know, we started this business, uh, my business partner and I, Richard, and, you know, we were new kids on the block again. So you kind of have some of the people that you might want to work with, you know, and I'm not going to name any names in terms of that, but, you know, the big, big players, and you're kind of like, well, could I get a, a credit account? Or could I, you know, how, do, how can we work this? And they're like, oh, well, you know, how much business do you do a year? Come back and see us when, you know, you kind of are doing more. And, you know, our trajectory has been really fantastic. Richard and I said two years ago with two people, now we're 10. And um, and then those people start kind of seeing your sort of presence and and then they ask you to, uh, if you want to come into the showroom and discuss things. And so it's really interesting. And, and then it is when you find these more independent people, when you've really got to try and find kind of alternative ways to stand out. And then I think then it's a good mix of the two, I think, then. It's the sort of more independent and then the trusted. And, you know, sometimes people want to BB Italia Sofa or something, let's say, or an Andrew Martin Sofa or whatever it might be. And, and then that's great. But they're also kind of interested to discover something new, I think. And that's yeah. really nice. For younger people who are starting out who haven't got the... It only takes one kind person to sort yeah. of... And you remember the ones who were sort of quite arrogant and didn't want you at the beginning. And you sort of think, well, a bit like that scene in Pretty Woman. It's sort of like, you know... But it's, exactly. But you know, it's, it's, but, it's very interesting you say that but, because some of the some of the students, some of the, the showrooms at Chelsea Harbour, for example, there are certain suppliers that are famous for not giving cuttings and samples. I can see someone nodding in the audience. Will not help students, and I can guarantee you that when those students set up their own businesses in ten yeah. years' time, they won't want accounts with those suppliers because they'll still remember the hurt. Yeah. yeah, and you can still be kind about it and say, look, I, you know. There's ways of doing things. And I think, you know, I, I pulled up at the rug company yesterday for a meeting with a client. And I thought, I first came here, I think it was 26 years ago, when I was working for George Spencer. And they treated me so kindly back then. I was whatever, however old I was. And um, just the same as they did yesterday. And that is what makes, I sort of think, well, that's why you're still here this many years on. It's of course it's a great product, but it's also they're 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 just good people doing a good job, and in terms of supply, they always deliver on on time. 
Um, nothing's too difficult, nothing's a hassle, no sort of tutting, yeah. It's a reputation and mm. like that, that whole thing as well. And it's not even students, it's clients as well. I've had a client, I said, well, why don't you get there, have a look around, or they wanted to go and have a look around with it or without me. And they've gone, I can't believe I went into this thing. And they, you know, and it's kind of incredible that you would actually have that, that sort of response because mm. I think exactly that big mistake, huge mistake. It's, you know, well, you're not going to go back there, are you? Yeah. And it's, it's crazy. So when you first engage with a new supplier, what are the early warning signs to be aware of? The warning signs my colleague and I have just today experienced is we've had about 17 emails to get a quote of someone. And we just decided today it can't be this difficult. It's for one inanimate thing <laughs> and so we just thought we, we need to go yeah. somewhere else and one so, object one object and it's been you, it's like sort of talking sort of working on a space station are you hearing me are we <laughs> like is anyone out there yeah but i will have to tell them if and when they do get back to us too late we've had to go with someone else because yeah. i can't I, I i was looking back through the emails and so so that's a warning sign for me is someone who's not efficient in putting a quote together and I don't mean slapdash, I just mean someone who's willing to communicate. Communicate, with you. yeah. Because yeah, you know it's only going to be downhill all the way after the I quotes come in. Yeah, I think also, interestingly, it can be the other way where someone, you know, talks the talk. Yes. And then you maybe kind of are waiting for something or the communication, you've engaged them perhaps, and, you know, that all looks good. And maybe you've been to the factory or the workshop. And then, you know, you kind of are like, then the communication stops and you're like hang on a minute like this was all kind of all good and then they kind of let you down and i think it comes back to that earlier trust thing and you, you mm. kind of engage with someone you trust them okay this looks good you try with the best will in the world you try and find out but i think you're right i think you get a sometimes you do get a kind of gut feeling a bit mm. like clients you kind of get a gut yeah. feeling after you know doing it for a while that mm, this is probably not going to work too out much, and, yeah. yeah too much hassle as well Let's put the boot on the other foot. <laughs> what do you think is going through a supplier's mind when they're looking at designers that they want to supply? I think it's probably the same things in reverse. They look at what you do, projects that you've done, um, the kind of level that you're at and whether or not... I mean, if they should do the research in terms of, is our product right for you? Because there's nothing worse, is there? You get kind of inundated with people and then it's... Well, you know, have they looked at the website? Mm. You know, and then you feel, what, do they really even bother or is it a kind of cold call type situation? But I think, um, I think it's kind of, ma not matching, but like kind of getting the vibe or where they, or maybe they, where they could lead you. I think that's another really interesting relationship with a supplier, isn't it? Yeah. That sort of how can they inspire what we do is, is the flip of what we do, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I had a, a supplier and friend over for dinner last night, Dudley, who works at Holland and Sherry, um, amazing fabric house. And he's like, you're one of my best suppliers. You've ordered four meters off me in the last, <laughs> however many months, you know, just like ridiculously small amount. But, the, you know, the relationship's there and the relationship's good and he knows that in a few months I'll, you know, throw in a takeaway and then it's yeah. all away. <laughs> but, um, With the Hond and Sherry napkin. Yeah, exactly, the free napkin. Yeah. But um, it's like any relationship, all, all of these things. I think everyone's looking to do business and have something that can work work well into the future. Do you think interior designers actually put their best foot forward when they make sure that, for example, their communication is very professional? You know, I want to order this, I've got the facts right, I've got the size right, I know what colour I want. Yeah. I think we always try and give as much detail, maybe not me personally, but the rest of the team will give much more detailed versions to me. Um, and uh, for the old days of just drawing it and going, I'm sure you know what you're doing. And, uh, 
Um, but I think, um, yeah, we can really help by kind of on our side, giving as much info as possible, email trail type thing. Of, yeah. You know, here it is and this is it. And then them back with it. And I think, yeah, if, uh, the more information, if you can do a drawing, a, a photo, a description, a, 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 everything, assume, I always assume something's going to go horribly wrong and that this email setting out <laughs> the order is what is going to mitigate against all the things that could go wrong. And, and actually, you only get to do that from things going wrong. In, you know, and so the past 25 years, I've had enough mistakes I've made that you sort of keep trying not to. So, yeah, as much information as possible, as foolproof as possible. I mean, I suppose if it's something that you've not worked with before, one obvious thing to do is just say to the supplier, what information do you need from me? Yeah, I think uh, ask that question, you know, rely on your team or rely on... You know, you can Google it as well, do you know what I mean? You can look things up yourself and research it. And I think that's where good suppliers are really happy to, to kind of offer that information and not in that kind of condescending, you don't really know what you're talking about, do you? Because, you know, then you need to learn that to be able to sort of try and face it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we, that's where you need a supplier that knows what they're doing and is happy to kind of explain it to you as well. Yeah. And that sort of collaborative approach yeah, 100%. also makes it really fun. Yeah, well, particularly with joinery, yeah, I find it so collaborative. You'll come up with, with as much detail as you can, but they're always going to have something that you just didn't think about that is cleverer than you and better, you know, because they are the ones physically making and that, it. Down. And that's the selling point. I mean, you know, if you think about it, what we're doing is we're taking the suppliers, whatever it is that they're making or doing, and we're selling it to our clients. So actually, if the suppliers give us that information that allows us to kind of go, and did you know that that was made, you know, on the north side of such and such a mountain on the full mm. moon and blah, blah, <laughs> and harvested by whatever. But that's a great story to tell the client. The client will go, oh my God, I, I have to have this in my house. It is. And I think that's why interior designers like suppliers that have that narrative, I mm. think. And it's not just your a standard thing and it's like okay here's your lovely bedside because it's lovely uh, but it's like, why is it lovely or why is it quality or why is that what the way it is and the more you can talk about your interior the more you know COVID's really helped the whole industry I think especially in building an interior design because people have spent so much time at home and so you're mm. kind of like oh sofa that I've lived with for you know it's not really I don't really like it and like what's that wall could do with a little something and I think you know you kind of notice those things more so narrative such a huge part and also when we're presenting or selling in the idea you, we can't just go looks lovely doesn't it you yeah. know you have to go oh it's lovely and this happened and that's from there like you say unicorn dust on something exactly so you found these great suppliers how do you treat them I mean are there any tips for designers on how to nurture those brilliant relationships Ooh, I, well I think just be nice to yeah. them really give them work obviously because that's always helps but I think just be generally be a nice person you know it's so much easier to get on with people and get things done when you're not having to yell at someone I mean mm. you know it's the you know they say it takes more wrinkles to frown than it does to smile so you know none of us want none yeah. of us want that so I think that's just kind of one of the main things be kind of pleasant yeah and of course occasionally those relationships are going to get there's going to be tempers there's going to be frayed yeah. stress strain um but that's easily something that is you don't have to be cruel you can say I'm sorry I've just uh, today's not been great or whatever just like a client would or a and it's absolutely fine and it's water under the bridge and you move on so it doesn't always have to be sort of immaculate and blissful but you treat people how you would expect yeah. to be treated and pay their bills on time pay their bills on time I, I yeah I mean there are some people that that I've worked with in the past who don't pay a supplier's bill and you just think it, 
I, I, it just, it's maddening. I get an invoice, I pay it. And I always say to people, if I haven't paid it within two days, it's because it's, it's lost. It's like, it's done, it's paid. And that's the other thing is that a client, they will pay for the sofa, whatever it is, in full. The day that that money reaches me, that's day one on the clock of the lead time. So I can't then delay paying my supplier for however many weeks I like. You know, that's the, the client's money sitting there. It has to, you know, you have to keep the clock going. And um, and I think, you know, and, and one of the one of the the other points is that it's it's, it's paying them on time and and sort of with respect and not quibbling. I I don't like I. If somebody's given me a price, that's the price. I, I personally don't like haggling down. I just think they've already thought about it. They're offering me something. And so I, I don't. And clients do like people to haggle, but I don't like, I, I don't really like to. What about you? Are you a haggler? Well, maybe. <laughs> we, 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 um, we, well, when the price is agreed, it's agreed. I, I agree with that. But yeah, we probably push a little hard sometimes. And it, it's normally with the people that we really know well. Yeah. And we're like, just help us out here and you know that client you know whatever and try and get things done and um but also you know as as you said if if like some one of our one of our uh suppliers is always like oh do you mind if i send an invoice in for a deposit on something i was like please send the whole thing in it's fine because we want to get this thing done and you know so yeah i yeah we uh, i think it is respect as well like mm. you know don't push it when well, don't don't not pay people I mean, it's yeah. ridiculous isn't it yeah do these relationships evolve over time and do they have a shelf life? I don't think for the interior designer, but I think for maybe some suppliers, it can be like more of a trend type thing where they've done one thing and that's what they're known for and that's great. But it, depending on what, how you approach your business or whatever, like we, and like you, I, I, the work that you do, you don't really, you know, there's not a signature style. You kind of work for the client mm -hmm. and make everything different, which is great for us because we get to do something different all the time. And um, I think that's when some suppliers that we've used it or I've used in the past, you know, you've gone, oh, I've used a lot of you. And then you're going, oh, then it, but you haven't changed. And I think it's, it's like us, it's on businesses to kind of keep inventing and keep yeah. doing new things. And, and that's when you can keep working with a supplier that sort of does a product. I mean, if it's a bespoke person, then, yeah. I mean, it's a, like a lifetime relationship and, and the possibilities are endless, aren't they? But Yeah, you don't want to be a one-trick pony. Mm. And I think that is the thing. It's sort of going back to a supplier that you've used a lot is absolutely fine. But yeah, if they're reinventing their product as well. And, um, um, but yeah, if it's bespoke. What about if it's services? Well, if it's services, I mean, I think um, uh, the shelf life, I guess, would happen if someone's become fed up with the relationship. That, I, that That's all I can think of. I can't think, if you're offering a service and someone's being paid for that service, there shouldn't be a reason that that should have a shelf life unless they're sort of, having to climb ladders and they've turned 80, know, we've, 85. We've had, we've had situations over the years, particularly with contractors, where the first project's been great because they want to get you on side, second project's been fantastic, third project there have been a few issues, fourth project they think they've got you in their back pocket mm. and you end up being a hospital job. And, you, so never, and you never were. It's pretty serious, that yeah. decline, Susie. Yeah. <laughs> well, I may have exaggerated. But <laughs> the point is that, you, again, you can't put your clients' money and the project at risk, so you just don't use them. Once yeah. that trust mm. is gone... With a contractor, I don't <coughs> see them so much as a supplier to, to me. So they've still got to impress the client. They're the ones with the dough. 
and yeah. they're the ones with the contracts. And so. they're there on, you know, often in front of the if they're working on a mm. job, and you know, you can't be responsible for what that. What about but a subcontractor, someone like a curtain mm. maker, for example, mm. or someone like a joiner, or someone that's actually working for you? I, well, I, th I kind of think it's, uh, unless it's, you know, <laughs> broke, don't fix it, I, I, yeah. whatever the phrase is. Like, you know, we, we use one curtain supplier for everything because they mm. do a great yeah. job. They've never mucked up on anything, um, really. And if they have, they fixed it. Um, and yeah. th there's no reason not to use them. And if, you know, the prices are good. And that's another reason. Prices hike up suddenly. Mm. And then you're like, hey, what, what's happening? You know, I know yeah. things have gone up, and but it's gone like that. Then you start asking questions. But I think you're right, you know, if it's just if things start going wrong or, yeah, the quality of the work starts slipping for whatever reason, you ask the question why. And some businesses come back from that. We have one supplier who was just so overwhelmed with everything. We were like, we can't really use you. And it's a real shame because you did do good work, like you said. They've, and it's been like a year or something, and we're sort of using them again because they've got more people and the quality of work's gone back up. So you're just on the lookout for that sort of complacency or those those issues that might arise? Yeah, I think complacency, so if I use uh, a company that, if I'm buying some fabric, for example, and there are some companies you'll send one email and it's Stop. 10 metres and it's ordered to the correct place and you know it's going to happen. You don't even need to hear back from them. You know it's happened. It's happened before you've even thought about it. Other people, it's 24 emails. It's arrived in Amsterdam instead of South Ken, and uh, you know it. So th it, that's cost you your entire margin on the piece of fabric, and sometimes the margin's sort of twenty pounds. You spent seven hours on it, and so it's it is about efficiency. And I think the same with the suppliers; they're going to want to make money. And if you're giving them a decent buck and efficient, and giving them what they need, they can get on with it. Problems are fixed. It, the relationship shouldn't really break down. Okay, I'm going to misquote Tolstoy now. Happy suppliers are all alike, but every unhappy supplier is unhappy in its own way. What are the main problems designers experience in their supply chains? Gosh, uh, well, it depends what type of job you're doing. I think you just kind of highlighted a really good one. It could be something like someone just sent the fabric, I had it today, where is it, where is it, where is it? It's like, yeah, it's, on my order, it's all the right thing. And then they went, oh, sorry, we sent it to here. You know, that's the classic one, isn't it? Um, but I think it's, or anything, you kind of, it's a, like I was saying, it's dominoes, isn't it? As soon as one piece, then the whole thing can fall down. And it could be anything. It could be something's late. Yeah, what are you going to do? You just have to, like, hope that you can fix it and then say to the client, everything's fine. It's things like that. And, of course, sort of post-Brexit... And COVID and well, supply uh, lead times were lead a nightmare. Customs and <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then there was the Suez Canal. I mean, so so I've actually started to say for the first time that if something's not in stock and it's a off-the-shelf piece, I can't give you a lead time. So we can either go for something else because there have been things where it's like it's due in May, and you get to May and they're saying it's October. I, I can't. I, we can't work like that. So. I've started to say, if it's off-the-shelf item and it's not in stock in this country, I don't know when it's going to arrive. So we can play like that or we can get something else. It's really sad. But it is, yeah. yeah. What about when someone gets it wrong from a drawing? Well, you know, you just have to read it carefully, don't you? Uh, that's never happened to anybody, has it? <laughs> uh, you know, I think, it, again, it's that the, the point of having a really good relationship you know, with your suppliers is 
they are looking at it closely, you're looking at it closely. Sometimes it just happens and, you know, you can, can't see, you know, snow blind, can't see wood for the trees. And you're kind of like, I read it and it said that, I'm sure it didn't. Then you look at it and go, oh, it didn't, okay, fine. And then you hope that you can, you know, sort of sort it out. I, 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 some t we've had other things though where it's completely annotated perfectly. It's sent over, they've approved it, supplier, and then they've still gone and made it wrong and it's turned up and you've gone, hang on a minute. Like we've had one where it's uh, one veneer, two veneer, signed off, samples, the two were swapped over and it's like, you know, what are you going to do? Luckily, the client you can see very well, but um, no, and, no, you know, we just have to change those things. And then it's up to the supplier, you know, you're going, guys, you know, you signed it, we signed it. So, you know, I'm sorry, but yeah, it's, it's a tough one. Okay, what about the, the worst sort of situation, financial difficulties, bankruptcies? Have you ever had to deal with that, Naomi? I have had to deal with a bankruptcy recently with a, with a retailer, and we're not going to get that money back. And I, uh, I could, it, it's not enough money for us to spend any more hours trying to. So that's the first time that's ever happened and the client paid for it, I have paid for it, and it's never gonna arrive and I'm never gonna get a refund. I've refunded the client, but yeah. you know, it, yeah. yeah. Luckily it wasn't a huge amount, but I don't know where, it's something I want, I, I now need to look into more because I've never. Mm. Yeah. Did you get any warning signs with no. that? Or was that completely no, out of the completely blue? completely out of the blue. They've done that, the supplies have done that before. I mean, Touchwood as well, we haven't really had that, you know, kind of experience, but where they've been taking, you know, you read about it, they've been taking orders up to the very last minute yeah. and then they, the next day they've shut their doors and yeah. people are like, where, where is it coming from? And it's not coming. And, mm. you know, it's a bit like the lady I was saying earlier with the, sort of the but that's more from the client side, but um, yeah, I, you know, interior design's a little unregulated like that mm. and we're kind of vulnerable in that position as much as you try and, your contracts and all of those sorts of things, but still insurance. But then, as you say, it depends what it's for and yeah. how much you have to kind of weigh, weigh it up and yeah. take it on the chin a little bit, which, mm. yeah, it's not ideal. What can designers do to ultimately protect themselves and their clients from major financial risk? You know, we're doing a quarter of a million pounds worth of joinery on a job, rather than giving it to one guy, give it to three, that sort of thing. Yes, we just worked with a join, three joinery companies on one job, actually, thank you for reminding me. Uh, one doing like a TV joinery, one doing a study and a few other bits, and then some are making some pieces of furniture. And it's very interesting. And that's actually a very good supplier story in that the two guys we'd used before, one guy we hadn't, guys, sorry, just companies, um, and two did a really great job. One did a shocking job, which they've had to sort out. Um, yeah, and, I, and going back to what I was saying earlier, the, first, the person that talked the loudest was the, was the least impressive. That's interesting. Which is very interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Should we go on to the unknown supplier? Because I yeah. think we're sort of running out of time. I think, um, I think it'd be interesting to, to just uh, address that situation of where the client insists that you use somebody that they know, you don't know. How do you deal with that? Have you had positive experiences or are they purely negative? <laughs> Who wants to go first? I mean, I think of one, it wasn't so much as, it was a supplier actually, and a company had recommended a, uh, an installer and uh, in a property in Mayfair, and they were taking two large sideboards, they got the wrong floor, and, they, and it's a, a kind of plastered staircase, semicircular staircase, and they tried to ram, well they did ram, a kind of 1.82 metre sideboards oh down, God. all the walls gone, all polished, the sides of the, plaster. yeah, all the sides oh. of the uh, sideboard damaged, and it was just, you know, like, 
if it wasn't, you know, it's, a, it's on the wrong floor, but B, like, if it's not going down, then maybe just call someone. Was, and... was no one shouting pivot? No one's, yeah, <laughs> down a bit, down yeah. a bit. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my word. Yeah. <laughs> so in these situations, it can happen that the client gets a cheap deal, uh, which the designer ultimately ends up paying for because you have to sort it out and make it look good. I mean, that, does that ring true? Yeah, I think mm -hmm. there's definitely, you know, we're all, no matter how much money you have, I think as well, people do like a deal mm -hmm. and uh, there'll be, you know, they might get a couple of quotes in it or it's someone's, I don't know, a family member. That's if it can get really tricky. Yeah. If they're like, well, my cousin is a, runs a or supplies mm -hmm. a, and then you're going, okay, well, fine, we'll use them. And then it's just, and it, I don't think, a bit like you, I don't think anything's ever gone wrong. It just might have been a real, like, struggle. Mm. struggle. Mm. And what do you say? You're like, you know. Well, in those situations, I mean, the conversation with the client, at what point when you're having these fractious issues with suppliers, do you actually go to the client and say, I've got a problem, or you need to pay up, or we've got issues, or do you always try and fix it so they don't notice? I think it's try and fix it yeah, first. Yeah, try and fix it. Don't come with a problem ever, mm. really, because they're like, what do they care? Really, you know, yeah. that's your. That's why they've employed you. Yeah. And I think you just have to take it on the chin a little bit. I think when it comes really, if it becomes sort of, a, 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 you know, unbreakable or whatever, tenuous, but uh, uh, I think you have to then go, but come with a kind of, this is what's happened. This is what I've done to sort of try and rectify the situation. And if you're at impasse, then you're at an impasse. And then you go, well, maybe you're going to have to talk to them. You know, like the clients are going to have to talk to their recommended, potentially. But yeah. we try not to, I think. Let's move it on to something <laughs> a bit more positive. What is the nicest, most above and beyond the call of thing one of your suppliers ever did for you? I installed a table from, that was from a hugely expensive supplier that was damaged and they wouldn't repair it. There were various reasons why it couldn't be done. And a joiner that I use a lot fixed it for free. It, was, it would have cost me five figures. There was, wow. there was nothing I could do about it. Um, you know, and I'm not gonna get into some protracted battle with the client. Again, it's like these sort of huge sums of money, but not in, like, where, where's that gonna end? That we're in a battle with someone who's, mm you know so you have to sort of so I, I figured out I'm going to resolve it got a joiner got it and he settled it for free oh and he did it for free fantastic lovely. Uh, mine are kind of similar stories really it's that one person that you've had a relationship with uh for a long time and you everybody else you're like what am I going to do and they come and sort of you know work through the night or yeah. something I mean there, there, there was an, we did another one where um we did a penthouse in Shoreditch and it's on the 36th or 38th floor and they install day comes and the curtain makers turn up with the curtain poles and then go, oh, it's four meters pole I have and the lift only takes whatever, two meters, what are you going to do? And then, you know, rather than walk away, they walked up 38 flights wow. to install the uh, curtain poles. Wow. So we were kind of like, you know, whatever you need, whatever you need. And that's what I'm saying, like, you know, that's the curtain person yeah. that we use today and that's, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's amazing. That's really. fantastic. Yeah. And on the flip side, is there a terrible story that you'd like to share? I mean, I, I can tell you what I've done personally is terrible. When <laughs> I was starting out, I uh, was, uh, you know, like we start out, you do all sorts of things. I was driving around London in a little van with an A to Z, like delivering things for the interior designer. And, and I went and did, uh, uh, was making beds and things for a, uh, a house, four bedrooms. 
all with very, very pale carpet. And I'm there tucking the things, like, oh, I've done a really great job. And then got to the last one, stood back, and I was like, oh my gosh, what is that blue line around the bed? And I realized I had like indigo <gasps> jeans on oh and was kind God. of like, you know, hot and bothered. And all the dye on every floor. And so I, man I even then, I had a, a friend who was doing a cleaning <laughs> company. And uh, I was like, Alex, what are we going to do? And he's like, don't worry, I'll come around. He came around shampooed the carpets on all four floors and it was out because I've been ruined before I'd even started in my Thanks. career. But yeah. What a story. Brilliant. Have you got anything I've never like done that? anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that should have been my answer really, shouldn't it? No clients are listening. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I mean, the list is too long, of, yeah. but that's how, that's how it, that's how it goes. That's and that's how you learn, learn yeah, yep, no indigo jeans on the white carpet. <laughs> exactly. and, yeah. As you've never done anything wrong, what yeah. is the one piece of advice you would offer designers trying to build their happy ever after dream team? Be flexible because whilst things might not have a shelf life, teams can change. So you're in that you might have one joiner on one job, another one's in the Bahamas for six months, another one's. So you might have to use one person with one person, one person with another. Also, work out if you can, take the time to think, is he going to get along with her or him? Or, you know, because that can help as well. If you've got a contractor who you know is going to find the joiner who you love quite irritating or the, the, the carpet fitter grumpy or whatever it is. Um, think about how those relationships are going to work with the clients too I suppose yeah and just keep the keep the little black book don't ever think that you're a closed never close it never think I don't need anyone else because then you're going to miss the young amazing brilliant person who's yeah Ed yeah I, I totally agree I think it's uh manage everyone like like you were saying and make sure everyone gets on and I think um yeah, it, it, it's just keep the communication open, like we say. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much to both of you, Ed and Naomi, for your time today. It's just been an amazing and fascinating conversation. Excellent discussion. Thank you, Ed. Thank you, Naomi. It's thank been you. brilliant. Thank and you. thanks, Susie, too. Some great anecdotes from you, too. Thank you. Um, thank you also to Andrew Martin for hosting us here in this wonderful showroom, Tottenham Court Road. Highly recommend a visit if anybody's listening or watching. It's brilliant. Uh, and a final thank you to you, our audience. Thank you. Give yourselves a round of applause. Thank you very much. We do hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please do find us on socials. We're at Interior Design Business Pod on Instagram. That's the best place. The Interior Design Business is a Wildwood Plus production. Thank you. Thank you.